What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> this is your boy, Eric. We're coming back at you with more fantasy football. I'm here with Jones, as always. Jones, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? Just uh, happy to be here, man. Break it down for these gentlemen uh, so they can win all the money. All right, guys. We've had a crazy busy week. I've been on the road dealing poker. I seem to have got myself some allergies, so I'm a bit under the weather. I do apologize if my you know, sound and audio isn't on point. Uh, we're also doing a phone call in again, which is kind of the norm when I'm busy on the road working. So we do apologize if the audio is not perfect, but uh, bear with us. We're working out the kinks and the bugs of this show. We're, uh, we're getting the hang of it. Um, be sure to hit that notification bell and hit that subscribe button if you're, if you're on YouTube. If you're on our podcast, uh, do the same. Follow our podcast on Spotify, on Anchor. You can, uh, you can check us out just about anywhere on the internet these days. So definitely a lot of good content for you there. Um, shout out to Dexter Carter. We were both at his wedding tonight. Uh, lovely wedding to Danny, which is now Danny Carter. So Dexter and Danny, uh, good luck to them. Happy long marriage for both of them. Shout out from Cash Cows Poker, no doubt. Jones, anything else to throw in there? No, and uh, we've known that dude for a long time. Real good dude. Uh, real happy for him. Yeah, and... Um, I was speaking on being down uh, dealing the Run Good event this weekend, Bossier City. Shout out to those Run Good guys. Um, lots of people around the Midwest and around the United States have poker tournaments. Lots of venues with lots of different choices. Choose Run Good, guys. Um, from the CEO of the company down to every pro that plays for his, you know, for you know every Run Good pro. Um, Tana, Ross, uh, Preston. All these guys are phenomenal players, um, phenomenal people. Um, Tana does an excellent job of surrounding himself with wonderful people in that company, and they bring that energy and that positive spirit. Like I've, I've never went broke in a run good event and not still had a good time and enjoyed myself and enjoyed the atmosphere and the people. So shout out to those guys. They put on a hell of a show, and I look forward to them getting up here to Kansas City in December. So definitely. Without uh, further ado, you want to dive in and break down these Rams Seahawks? This was a game. Yeah, man, let's get it. Um, so, uh, yeah, take us away. What's your first take off that? Like, what a game that was. I got to watch the second half. I managed to get out of work. I couldn't really watch the first half much dealing, but you know how it is. So. Yeah, man, uh, good game, good game. Uh, it's kind of what we touched on, you know, in our other show. We, I mean, I expected it to be a, a really good game. Just from a football standpoint, uh, you know, just speaking on the football side of things, Russell Wilson, man, like very underrated guy. Like Russell Wilson's one of the best quarterbacks in our league, and I don't think there's, uh, you know, too much of a question about it. I mean, the guy's consistently week in, week out, uh, a gamer and, and and really good at what he does. So, man, my credit to him. But uh, from the fantasy side of things, we uh, didn't see a eruption score from anyone really. Uh, we did see Gurley punch it in twice. Uh, from the short yardage situation. But one thing I do want to touch on from Gurley real quick, just from watching it, I've seen a couple runs from him that really encouraged me. Some, uh, you know, linebacker meets him in the hole two yards ahead of the line of scrimmage, and he bursts over him for an extra two yards. That's the type of runs that I wasn't seeing from Todd Gurley uh, early in the season. So seeing that was very encouraging, and it makes me think that there's still, uh, you know, we haven't seen the best of him yet this season, which is which is encouraging. Uh, we didn't see much from the Rams receivers aside Cooper Cup, of course. Uh, kid just goes out and balls consistently. So, you know, running his routes from the slot, we do expect Jared Goff to just continue to blanket him because that's his that's a steady bear. So he's going to 
uh, go to his teddy bear when in doubt. And on the, uh, we did also see Gerald Everett have a breakout breakout game, which I kind of wanted to bring up to you. Uh, Gerald Everett gets no love in season long leagues. Uh, yeah. The guy looks explosive. Uh, just from the eye test, the guy looks explosive. <clears throat> looks very athletic. Um, I mean, what, what do you, what do you make of this guy? Is he someone that should be considered uh, picking up in in season long formats? I mean, what well, what do you make? I certainly think that if you're struggling at the tight end position, that I think that he falls in right alongside. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm st- st- stammering to stutter to talk here. I think he falls right along with like the Oshag Hennessy's as we call him, James O'Shaughnessy, um, in that like you know maybe tier two, top tier three, you know, tight end where it's like they're by no means elite or even you know producing at a really high volume, but like I've seen Everett catch that ball, and that was um really nice like muscle twitch for a big guy like that because he made a few people miss if you're if you're familiar with the play I'm talking about. He catches what looks to be a little like, you know, five and out or a little curl and then just turns around and, you know, makes one guy miss, starts moving up field, gets grabbed by a couple guys and spun around, stays on his feet. I mean, just absolutely legs never stop moving. He was like a little bowling ball. And I say little, I mean, the dude is massive. He He's showing what you thought or you hoped from a fantasy aspect that he would do a few years ago. And you're kind of finally seeing that, oh, this guy seemed like he had the proper skill set to be a big-name tight end, and now maybe we're finally seeing small flashes of it. But at the same time, it's nothing I'm going out. I have him, like, on par with a Jason Witten, you know, like a, maybe a, a Nick Vanett that just got traded over from Seattle to um, to Pittsburgh, and they seem to be already utilizing him. And Mason Rudolph seems to already enjoy himself some Nick Vanett. So that's kind of where I've got him is like he's rostered in le- in a few of my leagues where I'm either desperate at tight end or desperate for a backup at tight end. Um, and I feel like he's an adequate, you know, backup for that spot. Am I going to be thrilled about the week that I have to play him, you know, when my starter is injured or my starter is on bye week? Probably not. And I'll probably still be looking for a guy that maybe has a better streaming matchup. But show me a few more weeks of this. I know, you know, we say this about a lot of guys. But, I mean, we've seen this guy for, what, a year or two now, not really do a whole lot with the opportunity, and now he just has, like, a few good games in a row, so I kind of want to see more from him from now Yeah, on. I understand where you're coming from there, man, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm totally with you, especially on the season-long side. On the daily side, I mean, it's almost like a, uh, you know, a matchup type thing, you know what I mean? So... If he's in a spot where defense first position to the tight end position, you know, and they just give up a ton of points, uh, I think he's clearly viable. But, uh, you know, I, it always just kind of disturbs me having the fourth guy in the packing order. You know what I mean? Maybe even the fifth guy because uh, Gurley still gets his looks as well. So that that, that kind of scares me. Uh, on the daily fantasy side, you can kind of take a little bit more of a risk on a week-to-week basis. So I think I may like him a little bit more over there. Just going to be a price and matchup dependent. Yeah, and you have to remember, he's not like the man, man tight end there either. Like, they kind of run like a muddled tight end mess where he, I mean, he shares a lot of snaps with Higby, or they run both of them, or Higby's out there. You know, like Higby to me is also a pass catching style tight end. That's what they've utilized him for. I mean, really, you know, the Rams tend to not throw to their tight ends as much, but if that changes, you know, that's an offense where 
you start getting eight or seven or eight targets a game with Everett, and, and my story is going to change drastically. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. If he jumps into that range on that offense that has so much touchdown upside, yeah, like we got to be looking to roster him in all formats. I mean, that's the really the only thing I can say about him for sure is there's so many weapons on that team, and you're right, he's either the fifth or sixth look even. Because you yep. could argue that a lot of times Goff will try to make a play on his own before he might be, before he might be actually adamantly looking for his tight end. So, right. Right. And, I'll, and, and Higby's definitely a factor in that offense as well. Like, they utilize everyone that suits up for him on that offense, right down to yep. even their fourth receiver, Josh Reynolds, who sees plenty of time in there. Um, yeah, no, you're right. And, and with that being said, though, uh, you know, it, it makes them – a little bit more valuable than a standard offense just because we expect on a week-in, week-out basis that they're probably going to score four touchdowns, you know, so. Yeah, or three, three touchdowns and a lot of field goals at least. Yeah, one of the two, sure. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, like Robert Woods on that team has a higher floor than Robert Woods on any other team because in that offense, everyone has a chance to score a touchdown. Well, you seen Robert Woods with the Bills. He was average at best because he constantly had the best guy on him, and he was constantly, you know, I mean, he was blanketed all the time because there wasn't other weapons. So I didn't even know Robert Woods was good until he left the Buffalo Bills. You know what I mean? Like, that that's kind of how I felt about it, where it's like now he's got, you know, guys like Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup to take some of that, you know, direct pressure away from him as well. Definitely works yeah. best in his favor. He's he's carved out a nice little niche there in one of the top you know top tier offenses in football. So yeah. Well, what do you say? Let's uh dive into this upcoming week's games and tell them what we think is going to happen because lately we've been pretty good at that. Yeah. Um. Let's get- I'm gonna jump right into it here. First game of the week: Jets Eagles. Now I'm gonna turn this phone sideways too for these guys at home. Uh, unlock that there. Sorry about that, guys. If you're watching at home and you had to go through the recap, there we go. I got a nice game preview up. Um, as far as the New York Jets, what's the word on Sam Darnold? Will Sam Darnold play this week? No, uh, Sam Darnold has already been ruled out, so we do get another week of uh, Nick Falk or Luke Falk, not Nick Falk. Sorry about that, but uh, so again, uh making almost everyone in this offense, aside from Le'Veon, of course, damn near unplayable, unfortunately. I do think that uh, when Darnold comes back, Crowder does become a viable option again. And we did see, you know, him uh, get 17 targets in his very first start with him. Uh, Darnold looked comfortable throwing him the ball. So we'll see how that plays out when he comes back. But, um, yeah, no Darnold. And uh, with no Darnold, with that being said, uh, I have a slight amount of interest in Le'Veon at 6,800 on DraftKings just because we know his volume. You know, he's got a seven-catch floor in here at this point. Uh, He's just getting peppered with targets, getting all the work out of the backfield. So, I mean, if you want to chase volume, I have no problem with it. Like I said, he is a slight interest of mine just because I think he's going to be a contrarian-type play. Um but I can't say that I'm going to have a lot of anything on this Jets side. Um, I'm, you know, and again, I'm not the daily fantasy guy. I'm the season long. You're obviously going to play your Le'Veons. I, w- I will say that as far as for being a third-string quarterback, I think Luke Falk could be a lot worse as far as I think he'll, you know, deliver some decent balls. Um, 
to me on from a fantasy side of things, from a daily fantasy, I should say, I could see you taking a few shots at the Crowders and maybe even the Demarius Thomases. He seemed to have a good connection with him as well. You know, the last time we seen him on a on prime time, and I'm just kind of looking at which Eagles defense will show up. You know, because we know the ball is going to go to Ravion, and we if we know that the Philadelphia Eagles and their coaching staff know that as well. So they're obviously, you know, they're planning and scripting right now to try to shut Le'Veon Bell down and to not allow him to lead this Jets, you know, team against him. And my thought is, are they going to be able to do that? You know, which Philly defense? Do we do we see the Philly defense that gave up 17 to the Washington Redskins in the first half? Or do we see the Philly defense that absolutely came out and, like, once they let Rodgers get out to a little bit of a lead, they came back and shut him down and played like bosses? You know, like, which version are we getting from them? And it seems like a week-to-week thing that you don't know what you're getting from them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you were talking about the Eagles on the Eagles side, correct? Yeah, like I'm saying, the Eagles defense against Le'Veon. Like, you know, there's one version of the Eagles defense that Le'Veon just bowls over them for 120 and probably, like, like you said, seven catches for 50 as well even with no touchdowns, still scores 22. Or there's a version of it where they actually bottle him up. And even a bottled-up Le'Veon gets you 11 or 12. You know, you're not mad, but, you know, you could see Le'Veon coming out of this game with 40 yards, six catches for, you know, 30 yards. You know, what's that, 13, 14 points? You know, that's still a completely reasonable, happy floor. You don't want it from your first-round or second-round pick, but still, you'll take it. Absolutely. Um, Go ahead. They're, they're, the one thing I will point out, uh, Philly defense, they do love giving up the big plays. Uh, if you're into a dart throw at DraftKings, low owned, high upside, Robbie Anderson, um, there's a lot of sharp people that I listen to around the industry. A lot of sharp people are, are going that way. I don't really see it personally. I don't have any faith in Luke Falk being able to get him the ball downfield. Um, Luke Falk does have one of the lowest A dots in the league, so <laughs> it's a that whole offense is a stay away spot. But uh, if you do want to take a chance, uh, Robbie Anderson can definitely beat this secondary. So um, there's your there's your low O dart throw if you want to uh, go that route. Um, and for the people watching at home, uh, you said A dot. That is average depth of target, meaning how Correct. far the quarterback throws the ball in the air you know, to whatever receiver he's looking for. Uh, While I agree with you there, the Robbie Anderson thing makes sense to me because, man, he had, like, you know, he chucked a couple to Demarius Thomas, and he targeted Jamison Crowder a couple of times. But overall, like, he was throwing to Robbie Anderson on a regular. Like, Robbie, and that obviously that's a small sample. That was week three. They had a bye week in week four, so we haven't seen him since they were on primetime against the Browns. Um... And obviously, Luke Folk, no way he thought he was having, you know, going to be in the game and have action, you know, going through the practice that week and such. So he's going to be a little bit more prepared. I think it all depends on which version of the Philly defense you get. Yeah. Because they're oh, definitely, they have the personnel to stop, to stop most teams, almost any team. Like, they're very deep on defense. They have skill positions at each level. I should say skilled players, like highly skilled players at each level. So that's a that's a full defense right there. You know, whatever you want to refer to it as, it's a complete defense. 
if you get the version that they're capable of. Let's see which version shows up. That's what we're here talking about for sure. So. Yeah. Um, as far as the Eagle side of things, so uh, on the preview show we kind of touched on, if Deshaun Jackson plays, a lot of interest in Ertz and uh, Wentz as a stack. Um, still, a, still a nice play. I don't, I'm, I don't find myself. I don't think I'm going to get there to Wentz specifically, uh, just because there's a couple other quarterbacks that we'll touch on when we get to those games that I, I just like too much to to go away. So I won't be getting to Wentz, but I will be getting to Ertz. I do think Sean Jackson being out is going to hurt Ertz in the long run. Uh, but I mean, with his amount of volume, and uh, he's the highest price tight end on the slate this week with his amount of volume you're getting receiver volume from the tight end spot so uh definitely worth a fly there i personally don't have any interest in Aguilar or any of the backs we seen jordan howard go for three touchdowns the other day i don't see that happening again i think that was just kind of uh he was in when the touchdowns were scored type of thing that wasn't him really creating yeah, those were, those were walk-in touchdowns. Um, I could have scored him, frankly. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. I, it wasn't a, a fact of him like evading tackles or anything like that. Nothing to be scared of there. Still looks like a timeshare. Uh, so with that, okay. I mean, uh, Ertz is really the only Ertz and Le'Veon is really the only interest I have uh, from this game, which may bite me. Um, if the Jets can actually score, but I just don't see the Jets scoring to make. Uh, any of their side viable and much on the Eagles viable either. Um, as for season long from the Eagles side, as far as what my take on it is, yeah, I'm looking for better plays than Carson Wentz. The Jets defense is tough. Um, the Jets defense similar to Philadelphia, and I think they're a bit more consistent than Philadelphia. As far as you know, what Jamal Adams is going to bring to the table every week in and week out. It starts there at the safety position with them. Works itself right down the line. They're talking about, you know, these are two straight, two teams that struggle to get to the quarterback and, and provide a good pass rush. And that's uh, that's insane to me when you look at the Eagles' defensive line. That they're struggling to get a pass rush, you know, through four weeks and, you know, into this season. As well, far Fletcher Cox, he's a little banged up still. Yeah, he but, I mean, there's three other guys that, I mean, these are all elite, you know, I mean that line is nasty down there in Philly, with you know the Barnett and like you said you touched on Fletcher Cox already like they're just so deep across the board there. I'm I'm waiting to see you know what we what we get from as far as Carson Wentz. If I've got another quarterback on the bench that's got a better matchup, I'm probably taking it. It's not to say Carson can't come out and have a great game against this New York Jets. If if the Jets don't get pressure, and Wentz has time to pass. I could see myself using utilizing Alshon Jeffrey in a few of my leagues. As far as let's say I have six Alshon Jeffries, I'll probably play three or four of them. If he's you know, it just depends on who the other player is in each league I'm making decisions on. I'm slightly ahead of like you know, I'll take an Alshon Jeffrey slightly over a Jarvis Landry just to put people in the ballpark of where I'm at on those deals. I think they're both adequate flexes on teams where you're maybe not so deep. Uh, if you're good enough, uh, if your team is good enough that you can have Jeffrey and Landry on your bench and you're confident with them on your bench, you're already having a good season, so I don't need to tell you any more about that. Um, I'm right there with you on Ertz. 
um, wide receiver volume all day long. There's a reason you're drafting him in the second or third round in season longs. Um, and the reason is because he crushes it and Wentz loves to throw and check it down to him on a regular or find him over the middle or on cross outs, corner routes, like you name it, Ertz has ran it and caught it. So he's the man over there for sure. Yeah. I got nothing else for that game. We're moving on. All right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Jaguars and Panthers both become expansion teams in the same year? Um, that is correct. All right. Well, that's interesting because we got a matchup of them. Uh, here's their game five preview: Jacksonville versus Carolina at Carolina. Um, Cam Newton, I believe, out again officially, right? Correct. So this comes down to me as another show of pretty much Leonard Fournette versus Christian McCaffrey with two each team using a utilizing a backup quarterback here. Each team Jacksonville known a little more for its defense than the Panthers, but so far throughout this season they've both been pretty close defensively. I'm not saying statistics wise, I'm just saying eye test like they both had their moments good and bad. Sure. Um, give us a breakdown. What you think of this one? Yeah, um, looking at this game as a uh, as a whole, I mean, there's not a lot of fantasy stuff, right? I mean, uh, we're we're pretty much just looking at comfortably. We're pretty just looking at two, pretty much looking at two guys, right? Uh, the volume monsters, if you will, uh, the two running backs, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette. Um, always going to have interest in those guys. Uh, Christian McCaffrey just completely balling out. I mean, this guy's floor uh, on a week-to-week basis is just freaking incredible. Uh, most projection sites that I have him at in full PPR is coming in right around 26 fantasy points. That's just a projection, man. Like, that's not even his ceiling. You know what I mean? Like, that's just – that would be an average, quote, average game for what he's expected to do. Uh, the amount of volume, we don't need to spend much time here. The amount of volume is uh, unpassable. Of course, if you're in season long, we don't need to touch on it. If you're in daily, uh, play the guy. Yeah. Leonard Fortin, on the other hand, is is kind of, and even though you're not a daily fantasy football guy, um, I think you can, you know, get where I'm going here and be able to make your own assessment. But, I don't know if I'm going to get to Leonard Fournette just because Leonard Fournette is in a weird price range. Okay, so up top you got the stud running backs, McCaffrey 86, Kamara, or excuse me, McCaffrey 87, Kamara 86, Cook 84, Zeke 83. Okay, so of course you're going to more than likely probably try to jam in two of those guys. Or not, you're going to jam in one and come down here to the mid-range, which Fournette is 6,400. Well, I, like I said, I, I, interest my, I mentioned my interest in Le'Veon earlier. He's 6,800. And I also have interest in a guy that they haven't got to their game yet, which is Joe Mixon, who's cheaper, who's 300 less, in a, in a better uh, matchup overall. So I don't know if I'm personally going to get to Fournette. And he's looking like he's going to be around 20% ownership. I mean, I would rather... I think I would rather just go down and, and pay 6100 for mixing against the Cardinals, wouldn't you, at 10%? I mean, you're getting you're shaving off half the, half the ownership for the same upside. Yeah, 
I feel differently about it than you because the key number I heard out of there was that he's 6,400. We're talking Fournette, of course. And yeah. I'm treating that like the stat we touched on last week where Fournette is one of only two running backs to have 90% plus uh, 90% plus of his team's touches running the football and 20% plus of his team's target share. And we deem that he's the only player in the league with both. He shared each each title with Kamara on one and McCaffrey on the other. To me, there's so much volume there that even if ownership is high on him, you, you are going to have high ownership on him from a daily fantasy perspective because of last week's 225. Yeah, and he's too cheap. I mean, 6,400 right. coming off of a game like that, he's too cheap. I mean, honestly... I'm not a great draft king, or I'll be the first to admit it that I'm great at season long, but I'm not great at price picking. I just, you know, feel like that's somebody you may have to have in your lineup. If this game stays close, this game could very well be very low scoring, but have still a ton of running back points of just check down, check down, punt, check down, check down, punt, and we might see it all day long. I like to give a little bit of the edge to Jacksonville here simply because I believe that their backup quarterback in Minshew is better than the backup for Carolina, which is Allen. And my other, and that's Kyle Allen, just to reiterate. And my other take on that is that the secondary, at least on paper, should be better for Jacksonville against, you know, those Carolina receivers and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. You know, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel should have a legit tough time, as should Greg Olson. The only thing I'm curious to see with McCaffrey going against that uh, Jags defense is if, you know, the Jacksonville linebackers, which I feel like they're going to try to, you know, because they have speed at the linebacker spot with Miles Jack. Um, is Telvin Smith healthy? No, he retired. He retired, retired? Yeah. That's crazy. He football for a couple of years. That's what he said. Wow. Um, sur- surely missed. Uh, that was a good young talent. Um, I, I still like, uh, I really do like Carolina here, but like, I, I think this is going to be a defensive off and there's really, like you said, only two names to touch on. Like, yes, you can take dart throws for those receivers. Maybe Curtis Samuel, maybe DJ Moore, maybe DD. Yeah. Sorry. DD Westbrook. And, and, and I feel like maybe that's more of a subject that you should probably touch on. Uh, there's not a, a lot of buzz around those guys in the daily community, but I mean, those are definitely uh, decisions that guys are going to have to be making the season long, including myself, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the only thing I can really say is you got kind of an average group of receivers on both sides of the ball. I think I lean towards liking the Panthers guys a little better, you know, and DJ Moore and Samuel. And if you want to include Olsen as a pass catcher, obviously that would boost the Panthers side. On the Jags side, I just the only thing I like about them better is that their matchup against the Panthers is a little easier, I think, than the Panthers' matchup against them. So if I had to lean one way or another, I might say, okay, DJ Charka Chark, you know, and and then maybe look towards the Panthers' two receivers and then jump back to a Jaguar. But it's I think it's going to be a very defensive and not a high scoring game there. Yeah, and I do expect uh, I do expect. Uh... Did I just forget his name? The corner. What Ramsey? Uh, no. Uh, Bradbury is supposed to be on DJ Shark. 
okay. So I was actually personally thinking uh, D.D. Westbrook maybe. Well, according to the receiver receiver corner chart that I look at, uh, it appeared that D.D. does have a pretty significant advantage in the slot. Is that somewhere that you would comfortably go season long, or is that still something like that you would uh, maybe take a guy, same projection, maybe a little higher upside, uh, lower floor than Didi? Yeah. Well, you use the term comfortable, and I'll just stop you right there because nothing about any of that would make me comfortable. I might have to do it at some point. I don't. I haven't really looked over all my leagues yet before tomorrow. I usually get up and do it in the morning when we're doing the Twitch show with everybody. But I wouldn't use the word comfortable, that's for sure. I might do it because I had to do it out of health and injury reasons or bye week reasons or something like that, but I would not be doing it with a smile on my face. I'd hope he did well, and I'd hope that it made me look like a genius, but I'd deep down be very worried. <clears throat> um, I got nothing more from that one. You want to jump on to the next one? Daniel Jones at home against the Vikings. Do you know that there's a lot of people like Vegas and Fox Fox Sports uh, said that I think the Giants are getting uh, 60% of the action on this as of like earlier today or yesterday. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's five and a half. There are five and a half dogs on uh, at home. Yeah, and I'll tell you what I think. I think this is 110% a game where what we've seen from the Vikings, Packers, Bears, oh my, Lions, uh, that division is good. So I know a lot of people out there are thinking the Vikings are just going to come in and roll over the Giants. I don't think that's the case here at all. Um, Has Saquon Barkley officially been ruled out yet? Yes, but yeah, he was a full participant uh, on Thursday, which kind of was goofy. So uh, we may have a Saquon sighting as early as next week. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. Uh, Wayne Gallman, I do want to mention, Wayne Gallman uh, was limited all week, but uh, I assume that's just precaution uh, because they do expect him to take on a similar load. I would assume, than last week. Uh, kind of what we've seen, uh, not nearly as good a spot, though. Would you agree? Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm kind of 50-50 on that. I don't have an exact, you know, hard, a hard line to take on that, to be honest. Um, I'm just kind of looking at the game. I'm sorry, I'm scrolling over stuff as you were talking. I'm scrolling over, like, uh, predictions and stuff. Stefan Diggs did travel with the team. Yeah. Um, what's this? He wants to be traded. Is this something you think is going to happen? Um. Well, show, not showing up to practice and for it to not be injuring that, like not even coming to the building. And uh, it was listed as non-injury, non-sickness related on the injury report. So, I mean, anytime that kind of stuff happens mm-hmm. and you got your other star receiver barking, uh, that he wants the football. I mean, I mean, you know, people have been talking about it all week, especially on a lot of fantasy shows. But it's something that uh, if you can figure it out, you may be able to win all the money. I uh, think, you know, if Minnesota comes out this week and you know the squeaky wheel narrative is in play. You know, if the 
the wheel is rusty, then uh, put some WD-40 on it, make everything run smooth again, then we'll see uh, something that we haven't seen all year, which is Kirk Cousins drop back 35 times. Um, if you think that's yeah. going to happen, uh, then you definitely want a piece of the passing attack because the Giants are the worst team, uh, excuse me, one of the worst teams, top five, bottom five, worst teams against defending the pass. So you definitely want a piece of that. Uh, if you believe that it's going to turn out the same as it's been all year, then you want your shares of Dalvin Cook, and uh, you want to sprinkle in some Thielen. But uh, other than that, there's, you know, it's, it's kind of tough. I don't, I don't know uh, what to make of it. Well, I, I like New York in this game. I really do. Um, do you like, like that said, from a yeah, from a from a football on drama? Like they're at home and they're not dealing with drama because I mean, clearly we think. Well, I think Minnesota is the better team. I do think Minnesota is the better team, but I I don't think that each Sunday when they come out that the better team always wins. And that's kind of how I'm looking at this here. Is like. Danny Dimes is transforming this New York team. Like, these guys came out the first couple weeks so flat, so just, you know, you could tell that they're just coming out and going through the motions. It's like, yeah, we got a great running back, but, you know, that's all we got. And the future looks this season is, you know, gone already by week two. This dude comes in. He's got their, you know, it like their defense is playing inspired. Like, they're, they're, you know, not making as many mistakes. When he does make a mistake, it's not like he's some horrible rookie that gets down on himself. He, you know, get, makes a mistake and then comes right back. You know, he's over on the bench looking at it with the coaches, and he's right back out on the field throwing another strike. Like, this kid is a warrior. I read kind of a disturbing thing today about the Vikings, too. I don't know if you've heard this. But there was some gentleman from the CFL, and he went, and the Vikings wanted him to, you know, they wanted to have an interview with him. And they sit him down, and they said, well, what, what would you see your role here if we wanted to sign you as the backup quarterback? And the guy, and I'm sorry that I forget his name, but he's a CFL, like, you know, up, you know, a CFL MVP, let's call him. And he tells them, I, you know, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to show you guys that I'm the better quarterback and I'm going to take Kurt's job. He said he's going to take Kurt Cousins' job. And the Vikings told him, and this was the quote, that, oh, no, 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 we don't want you to do that. We want you to go out here and run these plays with him and show him what you see and help him improve. Like, they wanted this dude from the CFL to help Kirk Cousins improve, and they didn't want to let him take his job and move him on because they'd paid Kirk Cousins $84 million and they didn't want to look like they'd made a bad decision. And from a Vikings fan standpoint, from a fantasy football standpoint, from a football standpoint, that's concerning for an organization like, and then you hear the wide receiver, a guy in Adam Thielen, who's, you know, seemed like a pretty nice guy, pretty quiet and never very outspoken. And he's sitting here. Well, yeah, we've got to be able to pass the ball. He's basically calling out cousins and saying the dude can't find me. It's like, he got lucky last year to find me all those times or something. You know, it's, there's some turmoil there, man. Um, serious stuff going on in Minnesota right now. We'll see how it all yeah. plays out. I mean, as far as the, uh, like, like we kind of talked about, as far as the fantasy plays from this side, uh, specifically the Minnesota side, uh, obviously you're Dalvin Cooks and a uh, little bit of Thielen and, uh, and I guess in season long situations, if you have no other choice, uh, Diggs is still going to carry, yeah. uh, a higher upside than anyone you have on your bench. So I think you have to play him as well. 
Yeah, but you're to the point where if you've got a digs and you've got anything on your bench like an Alshon Jeffrey, surely you're already playing something like that, right? Uh, I would. I I, don't, I mean, I gotta be. I, mean, I, I, I have think, digs in one of twenty two leagues, and I kid you not, I've played them every week because I keep looking at it every week and saying, well. I don't think the Vikings are that great of a team, so they can't just be running the ball every single week. And even when they're losing lately, it seems like they somehow don't throw the ball. And I'm like, I'm kind of looking at it like, why did you pay this man $84 million to let him sling the ball around like it was going out of style last year, and now you're limiting him and saying, here, you drop back at, you know, 15 to 20 times tops a game, and you hand it off to Dalvin, you know? Um, seems to me like you didn't need to pay anyone $84 million to do that. You could have paid a lot of people a lot less money to turn around and just hand it to Dalvin or throw, you know, quick outs to Adam Thielen. So, I'm not yeah, thrilled uh, with it. I have I have a couple. I only have one or two teams out of 22 that are stacked around any Vikings players, and they're definitely not Dalvin Cook. That was my one bad fade for the year. So... I'm happy with all the other guys I faded, and I'm looking like a genius on, like, I faded Diggs and all but one, so, like, I'm looking like a genius on a lot of my fades, but, uh, the, the, um, Dalvin Cook is not one of them, so. Uh, yeah, Dalvin Cook coming in somewhere around, uh, 20% for tomorrow on the main slate, 20% ownership, so, uh, that seems pretty low in this spot, especially as a road favorite. So, I mean, uh, I I can probably say I'm going to be probably comfortably over that number. Okay. Um, just just the simple fact it's the matchup, man. Uh, high floor, he's been he's graded out as a top three running back for PFF this year, uh, as far as elusiveness and uh, explosiveness things like that. So, I mean, the guy's legit. The Giants can't stop a, a leaky faucet and. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty much all that needs to be said uh, for Dalvin Cook in my in my eyes. Uh, I don't see anything from the Giants side uh, from a daily perspective. I, my only interest in this game is I haven't decided on the passing attack from Minnesota and uh, Dalvin Cook. But the one thing I want to get to you on for season-long purposes, where are you at with Golden Tate with making his return off suspension? And what's the uh, what's the hurt factor for Sterling Shepard? Well, I look for Golden Tate to line up in the slot. Yeah. And I believe Sterling Shepard spends most of his time out on the wing, does he not? He's been he's been in the slot uh, about seventy five percent the last two oh, weeks. Yeah. So. Well, I'll tell you what I make of it. I don't think it does anything super negative to anyone. I think what it does is actually make your Giants team as a whole be able to spread the field a little more. But I think what you need is a few games of, you know, keep in mind this is a guy who did not play for their team last year. Uh, obviously, he's got to have practice and training camp with him in some regard, but in a lot of ways this is going to be like having a brand new guy out there. Um, we'll see what kind of relationship he can form with Daniel Jones. Um, we know that's everything in football, knowing and trusting where your guy's going to be when you let that ball go. I think overall it'll help out that Vikings team because, or I'm sorry, the Giants team because it will spread the field out. And that's another, you know, relevant player that's on the field that can make a play like Golden Tate's done it over the years. He's shown us he can, you know, make a play. So you have to respect that and you have to, you know, 
be aware of that. Therefore, you you know, maybe you're not doubling a Sterling Shepard quite as much, or maybe you're not doubling Evan Ingram or just jamming eight or nine in the box for Saquon or Wayne Gallman when, you know, I mean, Wayne Gallman looked like Saquon last week, to be honest. So, um, I disagree. He was very inefficient on his yards per touch and things like I would, that. I know. I'm just talking about the overall fantasy point production. Yeah. I know it was volume-based, obviously, but that volume will be there probably this week again because if, if my game script is correct and I see the Giants getting out to a lead and trying to hold the lead, that screams check downs to Gallman all over the place again. So Yeah, and I and I personally don't see a a path that uh, you know, the Giants are playing with the lead the most of the game. I, I I just I just can't see a path where that happens. I mean Kirk Cousins like they would have to come out passing to me they would have to come out passing Kirk Cousins throw a couple picks early and maybe one of those is a defensive touchdown. Uh, but I mean, if you're going to come out and do what they've been doing the whole time, which is shoving Dalvin Cook down your throat, uh, this defense can't stop anything, man. And and I don't see that changing against one of the top running backs in the league tomorrow. I um I'm not sold on that last part with the defense. Like I think we've seen a different New York team these last couple weeks. Obviously, like they, you know, the people they're beating are beatable. I'm not, you know, knocking anything on that. I just think it's a um. I think it's a spot where I think they can squeeze out and get and keep this win streak going. So, uh, and we're uh, getting deep into the show already. So let's go ahead and move on. We got a lot of noon games today. We're only on the third right now. Um, just give us a few takeaways from Falcons Texans. Like we know that DeAndre Hopkins. We know Julio Jones is going to be fine. Let's talk about some other guys like Calvin Ridley, who went off and had great games the first two weeks, and then has been an absolute dud the last two weeks. Like, let's talk about him. Yeah, so, I mean, I really like Calvin Ridley this week. Uh, Houston, not really good against the pass. They've been giving up big plays, susceptible to big plays all year. Uh, Calvin Ridley's been that big play guy uh, early in his career. And it's not like uh, the targets have really gone anywhere. I mean, through four games, uh, starting with week one, six, ten, one, uh, that was obviously a bad one, but six again. So, I mean, uh, the volume's still there. I have no problem with him in the uh, one of the highest scoring games on the slate, especially in uh, DraftKings. I'll have a lot of uh, I'll have a lot of Calvin Ridley at forty nine hundred, not necessarily for the points per dollar play, uh, just because we've seen his ceiling before and uh, it, it's pretty large. So I, I would want a piece of that. Okay, I'm with you on that. Um. Obviously, both of these quarterbacks are reasonable. Uh, I think it's a good offensive game. This could be a, um, you know, it's interesting. We sometimes give, like, hard and, hard and fast game scripts, like, look, here's how this one's going to go. These are two teams that seem to, like, not have it figured out yet. Like, they get it figured out one week, and then the next week, whatever was fixed the week before is broken. I think this could be a shootout. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like, if you if you really look at it, like, the Texans have had some absolute heartbreakers lately, in sp- and they're still scoring a ton of points, but they're losing close games, and it's usually due to offensive miscues, fumbles, interceptions, lack of pass, you know, pass blocking uh, is the Texans' M.O. And on the other side of things, you got the king of garbage time. I mean, we should seriously make a 90s CD cover with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Austin Hooper 
and Devontae Freeman on the front and call it uh, the fucking Kings of Garbage Time and just make it like a rap album from the 90s because that's what they are. Like these dudes... Atlanta gets down fucking 17 and then they just come out slanking and danking. Like they can even make a chopped and screwed version of it where like like Kings of Garbage Time and then Julio does a remix. I don't know what you want to call this shit, but every game I look at it in the first half, I'm like, huh, Julio Jones, six points, like three catches for 30 yards. I'm like, okay, Austin Hooper, okay, two, you know, three targets, two catches, 31 yards. And then I'm like, cool, let's check it at the end of the game. It's like Austin Hooper, 26 and a half points. Julio, 22 and a half. Matt Ryan, who had like two picks at that point at halftime and had like one or two points, has like 24 and a half and is like third out of all of them. And you just want to like just throw your hands up and be like, you know, we're going to touch on it on the very next game we talk about too with the Buccaneers. It's like the Buccaneers and Falcons to me are so similar. They each have, you know... I honestly, even on the run game, I think they're similar. Like the the Buccaneers and Falcons are almost the same damn team. They have an elite wide receiver one. They have a good wide receiver two, you know, and even a playable three and a pretty good tight end, you know, in Austin Hooper and in o, in OJ Howard and you know Cameron Brait. And they're constantly losing, and garbage time is like their hero, where it's like Jameis Winston's stat line always looks like Matt Ryan's. Whether they get there the same way and how it looks with the eye test is irrelevant because it's always 25 points because the piece of shit threw three touchdowns in the second half after they were down 28-7. to Like, it's crazy. Uh, any, anything real to take away from the fact that Austin Hooper is the real deal, people? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It, it's pretty clear he's a, he's a legitimate part of the offense now. Uh, he's actually taken uh, quite a bit of Calvin Ridley's. Um, yeah targets this year so uh but calvin ridley obviously uh high ceiling big play down the field i I mean i really like this game in general love watson love hopkins um one thing that uh, i haven't heard a lot of people talking about and something that i'm kind of interested in to kind of play to the narrative of the last couple years of atlanta not being able to stop pass catching running backs in a pass-catching environment, uh, especially if Houston gets down. I mean, uh, in daily, I'm, I'm really thinking about going to Duke Johnson in this game. Uh, as a very contrarian, he's 4,200. Uh, we're talking about a guy that has a 20-point ceiling at that price tag. So um, I, I do kind of like that. I don't know if I'm going to get there personally or not, but uh, I think it'd definitely be a way to differentiate and still give yourself a little bit of a ceiling there in that game as well some exposure to it yeah that would be for me and and again i'm a season long guy as we chat this out but uh for me that'd be the only reason to do it if you tried to get me to do it in a season long i would have to be starting him over someone like a uh let me see maybe uh i have too many rex burkheads and i i have too many rex burkheads so i get a duke johnson in there you know or something too many Sony Michelles, so I'd try out one Duke Johnson if I had like six of them, let's say. You know what I mean? Like just sprinkling it, like because we season long guys that do like twenty two leagues. Because I know you play season long as well, but you have like one or two leagues, so you're obviously focused on a a few key guys. You know, you probably overlap one or two players, so you're only like really cheering for like you know fourteen to fifteen different players for season, whereas. People assume that guys like me that do 22 leagues, we just are miserable or cheering for everybody all the time. 
And it's like, no, I was talking about it online on like Reddit with some guys where I was like, actually, I have like, I almost draft like in tiers where I have my first round guys and the guys I'm going to go with in each slot if they're available, you know, and a lot of my leagues, you know, have a lot of Melvin Gordons, have a lot of Zeeks, have a lot of, you know, these guys that are in each tier, like ended up with a few Valdez Scantling, some Cortland Suttons, these guys that are in tiers where it's like, well, I'm not taking the guy next to him, so I have to just take that guy again, you know. And and I'm happy with a lot of those decisions. We're gonna we're sitting here talking about the Falcons. I have zero Devontae Freeman's, and the fact that he keeps getting ten or twelve points is not discouraging to me because he's getting it in these weird, unorthodox ways where it's gonna dry up. He's not gonna get you know his twenty yards rushing on like eight carries and then get seventy two yards on eight receptions. Like that's not a normal stat line for any running back. That's not gonna continue with him this season. I still feel good about that, about saying he's washed up and we've seen his best days behind him. So I stand by that every week. Um, obviously, if you drafted him high, you're going to play him high. So uh, if you drafted him very high, you'd have to be high to draft him that high. You like that, Jones? <laughs> um, I got nothing else from this game. We know what these guys are going to do. On the Texan side, their tight end is a dart throw to me. Uh, I believe Jordan Aikens, isn't it? Yeah. Same with Will Fuller. These are guys like Will Fuller is someone you can get at in this game too. Treat DeAndre and Will Fuller very similar to Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Everyone's up for play. It's just whatever you personally feel, you know, what game script you believe. You know, is it going to be high scoring? Is it going to be crappy offense for three and a half quarters? And then you finally see some stuff. Like with these two teams, you don't know because we've seen both sides of them all year as well through four games. So. And, and that's the interesting part about where at this point in the season, we're 25% of the way done with the fantasy season and pretty much the NFL season. And we're just now starting to see where, like, there's definitely some Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde teams in the NFL where one week they're the nice, friendly doctor, and then the next week they're garbage, trash monsters. <laughs> so, yeah, and let's jump into that. Buccaneers Saints, this has... You know, it's funny because we thought last week that the Dallas and, and New Orleans was going to like just really give us some points and we were going to have something to be excited about. Didn't happen. It was a low-scoring defensive battle. I think that this Saints and Buccaneers game could be large-scoring. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I actually, um, I actually don't think that this one is going to end up with a high total in general. Vegas has it at around uh, 45 and a half, depending on where you're at, obviously. But um, I could very easily see it coming in under under that. Uh, Saints defense, as we've seen last week, very underrated as far as, uh, you know, what the general public thinks of them. Uh, very tough against the run. They do have a good outside corner in Marshawn Lattimore. And uh, they can generate some pass rush with Cameron Jordan. So uh, their defense can uh, lock up a offense like, the Buccaneers, which they don't have a very good offensive line. Jameis Winston is prone to making mistakes. Um, you know, it's it's not like they've shown us that we should expect 48 points out of them uh, like we would a Chiefs-Rams uh, type of situation. So I do, I do think that this game is actually going to come in lower than what Vegas has it at. And uh, for that reason, I mean, obviously your Evans-Godwin's uh, you know, guys like that are in play, especially in uh, daily. But I mean, from the Saints side, 
Uh, my favorite play on the whole board this week is probably Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas uh, playing, you know, obviously the majority of his routes from the slot. Tampa Bay's uh, secondary is very, very bad. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't throw the ball down the field, but that's not a concern because Michael Thomas really doesn't run downfield routes. So it uh, doesn't really affect him all that much. We're talking about a guy on uh, DraftKings that is 6,600 and uh, projected somewhere around uh, the 20% range on ownership. Um, I'll probably I'll probably be around 60. Uh, he's probably probably my favorite play on the board. I actually want to jump back on the Bucks side and um, discuss. You mentioned Marshawn Lattimore, and I don't know why, but. Mike Evans has had his way with Lattimore. Now, Lattimore has some great games. We seen last week he had a great game against Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper struggled last week. I mean, it was an absolute. He struggled the entire game. I think he got at least one, if not two, offensive pass interference calls against him dealing with Lattimore. But historically, Mike Evans has dominated him. He's ran by him. He's jumped over him. He's hit him with the short routes and, you know, just just abused him throughout his career so far when they've had these matchups. And I'm I'm really, from a football standpoint, looking to see that matchup again this weekend. Because we talked about last weekend, Lattimore is the type of guy who you're more likely to see his A game and him to be the most fired up when he's got his biggest matchups. Like, they said he was really fired up, you know, going into last week's game against Amari Cooper because Amari Cooper is considered, you know, uh, an elite route runner is is how he makes his living, you know. So, I'm really looking forward to that aspect. I expect Mike Evans to get the job done and continue what he's been doing historically to Marshawn Lattimore. Now, if that happens, and I'm correct about that part of it, I agree with you what you said about the Saints pass rush and the Buccaneers' inability to really, you know, stop the pass rush and protect Winston. And I do agree with you about Winston being turnover prone. But this goes right back into their garbage time. No matter how you look at this game, the Buccaneers' pass catchers are going to get the job done, in my opinion. Whether you think they're going to win, the only way they would not get the job done is if they somehow got a crazy lead on the Saints like they did on the Rams last week. And I don't see that happening. And I also want to say I really like the Tampa Bay defense. We already talked about how good they are at stopping the run. I want to say the player to watch this week, if you want to, you know, control the game and see how the game will be controlled, is going to be Shaq Barrett. Uh, Shout out to the ex-Bronco and now current Tampa Bay Buccaneer, who's my vote for early league defensive player of the year and possibly MVP as well. Who's questionable coming into this game. I, I, yes. need to, I need to note that. Right, and that's what the, what I was going to get to, and I was going to ask you if you had anything new on him yet, if, if he's going to go or not go or what you had. Because that is the Tampa Bay defensive quarterback, if you want to call it that. He is the man with the plan, and if he's not on the field for him, you can probably give this game to New Orleans pretty easy. I think he's the linchpin on the defense and therefore the entire team for this week's matchup. I think it all goes through him being able to pressure New Orleans and to not just let New Orleans sit on that football like we both know Sean Payton likes to do as well. Like, we can't have eight- and nine-minute drives wearing out this Tampa Bay defense this weekend either. They're going to have to, you know, really make a commitment to not allow that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, your OJ Howards, I think, are fine. Your obviously your pass catchers. If you're gambling on Ronald Jones, probably be a tough week for it. But I understand with you season long guys, you know, you're definitely gonna play Jones over like Alexander Madison. So you know, take your lumps. He's still not listed as the starter, but he's getting all the touches. They're basically strolling out Peyton Barber for. The start, you know, as the starter, and then they immediately put in Jones, and Jones usually gets a bulk of the touches after he comes in. So, be monitoring those two as well. If they ever actually give Jones the starting job, it'll be a, uh, it'll be an ordeal. So, um, Bills Titans. I actually think this is quite an interesting game. Yeah, I don't know. From a from a football side of it, I I, I think I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, two good defenses. Uh, two. No matter how you shake it up, no matter how you view Mariota, uh, Mariota can be exciting at times. Uh, two pretty exciting quarterbacks. Can't say that I have uh, any interest except for really uh, Delaney Walker in this game. Yeah. Just for the simple fact, both defenses are very stout. Uh, both offenses are very stagnant at times. So. Uh, Vegas has this game at around uh, 40 points, and I, quite frankly, I agree with them. I'm surprised. Uh, well, it wouldn't surprise me if it would have been lower than that, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm with you across the board there. Uh, two of the, you know, if you don't really follow the NFL deep, like if you're just a casual fan when you flip on the games, you might hear us talking about the Bills' defense. And say, what are these guys talking about? But if you actually follow football and you watch any of these games, and maybe you've seen them against the Patriots, what was it, last week? Yeah. Um, they are tough, man. Like, everybody on that Bills oh. defense is tough. They come out, they hit, they're, they're well-disciplined, they stay in their gaps, they stay on their assignments. Uh, their secondary is decent. Um, yeah, I mean, they got... Their line is solid. Like, they're a very... It's almost like the opposite of the Rams, where... Sure, the Bills have talent, but like what makes the the Bills' defense good and the Titans' defense, for that matter, is that they work together as a cohesive unit. Where we talk about, oh, like seeing the Rams, and we we didn't even touch on Zerline's missed field goal at the end of that game, which just killed me inside. But uh, you know, we talk about the um, you know, the Rams, how they have all the defensive talent in the world, but they don't seem to put it on you know, game film from week-to-week basis. You know, they just have individuals out there making individual great plays, but not, you know, cohesive, you know, team defense. Right. You know, all 11 going after that football is what the Bills and Titans have. Discipline, and you see it week in and week out from both of these teams. So, from a fantasy standpoint, I'm right there with you. We could look at Josh Allen and say, cool, Josh Allen could have himself a decent game. You can take dart throws at all these guys you'd normally take your dart throws at because any individual in these games could have a good game. Like, we could have a good game from Singletary if he plays. We could have a good game from Frank Gore, Derrick Henry. It's just going to be tough matchups for him. So if you've got other choices, you're obviously going to play your Derrick Henrys no matter what because his floor is like 11 or 12 points, it seems like, these days. But yeah. past that, like... You never know which Titans pass catcher is going to end up with a good day. Uh, Delaney's going to have his six to eight point floor minimum. So you're always good with that. On the other side, and there a young tight end for the Bills that was getting knocks or whatever, was getting a lot of looks the last oh. couple of weeks. Um, uh, 
generating a lot of targets from this kid. Um, uh, the Bills seem excited about him. I know a lot of uh, people are uh, trying to pick him up in their season-long leagues, uh, but I mean, I, I must have just been sleeping. Like, I don't know where the hell this guy came from, and then I started looking at him, and yeah, I mean, he, he's legit. I mean, he's got a couple games up here with, uh, you know, double-digit targets, so. Yeah, and he's, um, the dude has um, hands. Like, he's out here. He's not getting, like, little check-down, easy little dump and catch. I mean, this dude is making wide receiver catches out here. Just so we're, I mean, I seen a couple last week where I was like, wow, that's in traffic, coming down with his throne, like, looked like a wide receiver going up there to get him to the ground. So, he's something to look at for those of you daily fantasy guys. Like, keep in mind that in a defensive game like this, the general public should be thinking the same way we are. Like, which Titans pass catcher is probably going to catch a garbage touchdown? Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, uh, one of the other three, Adam Humphreys. Like, which random-ass dude is going to piss you off this week because you picked the wrong one, you know? So... Like I said, same with season long. Avoid it if you can. Uh, fade your Corey Davises for anything else. Fade your AJ Browns for something else adequate. You know, across the board. Like you could even go. I don't want to say Debo Samuel because he may have a tough matchup Monday night, but you get the point. Um, I got nothing else from that game. Pick those defenses. I think well, I think one of them's available in cash cows league. We'll have to. I might, and I already played my defense this week, so you just want to scoop them up. Um. Uh, next game up. This is gonna be a kind of a joke of a game. Uh, Bengals Cardinals. Uh, I think I Kirk is, Kirk is out. I believe, right? Yeah. Officially. Yeah. Okay, that's what we expected. They're actually thinking he may be back by next week, which will be a miracle if you've seen the injury, and you've seen the situation. Again, we'll go back to it where he got rolled up on and his knee was stretched in an extreme like sideways awkward position also his ankle was rolled up on while his knee was being flexed out hard he got up immediately ran another play and when he tried to cut on the next play after the catch he was down on the ground in pain had to be helped off the field um i immediately thought acl i've seen it and even experienced that type of injury in that situation before Good news is it doesn't appear to be the season-ending variety. He may only miss a week. Like, Jones, that's pretty incredible because you seem to play with me. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes to show, uh, you know, credit to these guys for uh, getting their body in such a shape that uh, they can withstand, withstand stuff like that and the recovery time only be, you know, a little over a week. So uh, I, I didn't foresee it just being a weak thing uh, it looked a lot worse than uh, yeah. Saquon did yeah and uh, definitely yes. yeah like that's why and he had already received one uh, season ending knee surgery a year ago so obviously that was cringeworthy to me here in only week four leading into week five talking about it now obviously but it looks like we're just gonna miss him for a week I hope that's not just team talk and there's something you know worse that we're not hearing about Hopefully, we're getting an honest shred of the truth. Um, as far as garbage times can go, we can make a Bengals album as well. Um, Andy Dalton. I think last week was the first week that Tyler Boyd didn't crush it. I think he had like five or six, maybe seven points tops. And I faded a couple of guys that were trying to come back and get victories on me because of Tyler Boyd being a bum. 
Uh, I loved it, but this team is going to eventually get A.J. Green back. Andy Dalton continues to put up 20-plus fantasy points week in and week out, except for last week when he did struggle against the Steelers of all teams. Like, What's your take on the Bengals right now? Um, I love this game overall. Uh, from the Bengals' side, I, I love just about everything. I love Andy Dalton. I love uh, Tyler Boyd. I love uh, Auden Tate, a guy who's going to get the most significant boost from the John Ross uh, to the IR injury. Oh, is he IR'd now? Yeah, he's IR'd now. So uh, Auden Tate, and I even think this is a matchup that you can consider in this guy's season long. Uh, Dude, absolutely balling. He's six foot five. 230 pounds, man. Like, the guy is freaking huge. Uh, not the fastest, but, uh, you know, in a game that is projected with uh, 47 total, which is uh, set on the slate, in a uh, game where these are the literally the two worst pass defenses in the league with pass-happy teams, um, I see a lot, a lot of things to love. Uh, you could even go to the flow chart. Uh, narrative against the Cardinals in the tight end position with Tyler Eifert. Um, I do think his red zone upside is a little capped uh, because I, I really believe that they're going to be going to Auden Tate in those spots. Uh, he looks like the better red zone threat to me. And uh, quite frankly, the guy looks explosive. So I do expect him to be a huge part of this. Uh, Tyler Boyd going to run all of his routes with the slot, obviously, which we love. Very, very very, very good, and uh, I do look forward for uh, just to play this whole uh, game, Bengals and Cardinals, both sides. I even like Mixon uh, a little bit. We did see him on pace to have 90% of the touches last game. He got pulled uh, with about nine minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, and I mean, he was very inefficient, but the volume was starting to return. He's gotten more volume uh, three consecutive weeks now. Uh, this is going to be the best spot that he plays all year. So yeah. uh, at his price tag on DraftKings, 6,100, he's definitely a guy that I'm willing to uh, take some shots on. Uh, this is definitely a game we can see a ceiling game from Joe Mixon. Um, yeah, and on the other side of things, you got Kyler Murray. He's been adequate each week. He seems to somehow you know, find his way into 15 or 20 fantasy points one way or another. Uh, even on his bad week, he still gets uh, gets an adequate amount. Um, David Johnson's been looking good lately. This is a Bengals team that just let James Conner and Jalen Samuels own them. Uh, I look for David Johnson to have a huge game in both pass catching, which is where Conner and Samuels hurt him the most, I think, and yeah. also just running the football outright. As far as the pass catchers, Larry Fitzgerald, I feel like the Kirk injury doesn't open up the door as much as it allows you to focus your, you know, I feel like this is a more of a, fortunately the Bengals don't have any real weapons on defense to focus at Fitzgerald or at what I assume will be a Keyshawn Johnson coming in to take over for Kirk while he's out for a week. Uh, he'll get a yeah, boost. Yeah, so, so, so funny story on that real quick. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson. I was doing some digging into this and, uh, you know, kind of checking my notes against some of the other sharper guys out there that I follow. And uh, Keyshawn Johnson, we don't expect to come into the slot. We actually expect Farrell Cooper to come into the slot opposite oh, Larry Fitzgerald. Okay. 
Uh, Keyshawn Johnson actually lines up about 93% of the time from the right side outside. So I don't know. I, I don't expect his role to change. They did sign Farrell Cooper. Uh, the rumors are Farrell Cooper will be replacing Kirk in the slot, but I still love Keyshawn Johnson. We're talking about a guy that's uh, top five in route run on the season. And, uh, you know, again, w- one of the worst secondaries in football. Uh, they don't generate any pass rush, which is good uh, for Kyler Murray. We may actually have some time where he can, you know, do something because his offensive line is a pile of trash as well. So, yeah. uh, Really, really excited. I'm, I'm even uh, willing to take some stabs at uh, Trent Sherfield, who is uh, the next man in line to get the, the biggest usage bump from what everything that I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trent Sherfield, we don't expect to have like a very high floor necessarily, but uh, he's the stone cold minimum 3K on DraftKings. So, um, you know, we're talking about a guy, if he gets you 16 to 17, which is, you know, fall into the end zone, and uh, maybe four catches, 50 yards, you know, that, that gets you to 16. Uh, he massively pays off his salary and puts you in a position to where you can load up in other spots. So uh, from that perspective, I, I like a lot of guys in this game uh, in general. Uh, three of my favorite value plays are at this game, Otter Tate, Keyshawn Johnson, Trent Sherfield, and um, obviously Larry Fitzgerald, Tyler Boyd, I'll have plenty of as well. Uh, along with the running backs like David Johnson may be my second favorite play on the slate. Uh, one thing that you especially uh, should pay attention to tomorrow since I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to be a little wrapped up during football, but uh, pay attention to David Johnson and how much he lines up in the slot. He did actually run a few routes from the slot last game when Christian Kirk went down. So I think it'll be very interesting, uh, just something that boosts David Johnson's floor just that much higher. Uh, if they're going to line him up in the slot as well. Yeah, and what that'll do, if that seems to be the case, is it'll at least give a slightly more expanded role to Chase Edmonds. Uh, not anything that should make him fantasy Playable. viable, but possibly uh, dart throw viable, because I assume that he would also be the bare minimum. Am I incorrect? I'm not sure on that. I'm not sure on that, to be well, honest. Well, he can't I, be I, any more than 3,500, is my point. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, let's move along here. Unless you got anything else for us from that game. Uh. No. Uh. Just that. That's my. That's my favorite fantasy game on the slate. Yeah, slide. I do agree with you that I want to see a game where like Kyle Kyler Murray actually gets to stand back there and like pump fake and like move around and like create time because like basically right now what we've seen a good chunk of these games from Kyler Murray is snap it look one way, immediately have to roll out and either chuck it out of bounds, scramble for yardage, or check it down. And I'd like to see him with a proper, you know, a proper pocket to step up in and throw a clean football. Let's see that for a change. So, yeah. I don't know if that's what I think is going to happen or just wishful thinking because I'd like to see some scoring there, but I think that one will be uh, a game. And Obviously, they can always surprise us and show up and play defense or play bad offense, but I think that's a game that has a lot of potential for a lot of points, just like you said. Um, this next game I'm talking about is going to be a pretty much beat down. I feel like we can cap it pretty quick. Patriots, Redskins. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, I believe, getting the start. Am I correct? No. Uh, Cole McCoy was named the starter yesterday, <clears throat> actually. 
Yep, I'm yep. reading it right now. The Patriots are starting Colt McCoy against, or I'm sorry, the Redskins are starting Colt McCoy against the Patriots, and NFL fans have jokes. You know what? Yeah. That seems I gotta re- I, I gotta click on that. Hold on. I I, I don't I, I can't say that I blame him, man. Uh, would you want to throw your rookie out there against what's been the I mean, just by far the most dominant defense on the year? You know that that could ruin a guy. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily blame him here. Like, uh, you know, sit him this week and uh, start him uh, against a more easier defense than what Belichick's going to do to him, you know? Uh, so, I mean, yeah, don't blame is, him. This, uh, I wish you could read what I'm reading. It's all kinds of different uh, Twitter accounts posting stuff about it. And one of them here, you've seen The Office, right? Where the yeah. guy's like, he's looking through the blinds inside the office, and you're like outside seeing through the blinds. It's like me after Colt McCoy news with my Patriots defense special teams in my fantasy lineup, and he's just like looking through the blinds, smiling. Uh, <laughs> this next one says the Patriots have played a bad Steelers team, a historically bad Dolphins team, a depleted Jets team without their starting QB, a Bills team that had a good chance to beat them before Josh Allen was knocked out of the game. And a Colt McCoy-led Redskins team. And it says, I hate them. And then the meme says, he can't keep getting away with this. (laughs) (laughs) Jay Gruden can take Colt McCoy with him when he gets fired Monday. (laughs) 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 Jay Gruden walking into the Redskins presser on Sunday when he drops 40 on the Patriots with Colt McCoy. And it's got that... Uh, like the Middle Eastern dude wearing like the gold, like you know, tacky jackets that zip all the way up to their chin. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Colt McCoy, Belichick and Brady, and then they're doing the thing with um. Oh god, it's one of like the hip hop um. The breakfast, like you know, the hip hop Breakfast Club thing. And it's just the the two black dudes sitting here laughing, and they said that's Belichick and Brady, and they're just sitting here laughing with their microphones in front of them. <laughs> Yeah, these these are hilarious memes. I'm glad we went and took the time to click on this link real quick. Like, I'll go back now. Okay, we're back at our normal page. Like, I don't have much to say about this. Sony Michelle has struggled throughout this season with the Patriots running backs. You know, each week that James White will catch the passes. You know that Sony Michelle will get the short. You know the this. You know where they need to power back, and you know that Rex Burkhead will kind of work on everything in between that. He'll get a few checkdowns and he'll get a few runs. So. And same with the Patriots' pass catchers. Like, this Washington team is terrible. Like, Josh Gordon should be able to ball out. Um, yeah. Julian Edelman should be able to ball out. Like, any anyone that touches the field for the Patriots tomorrow is viable. I don't know what more else I could say. Yeah, and on the other side of things, like, good Lord. If this is, okay, if this is a game where Washington comes out and Washington balls out and just comes out and slings the ball and Colt McCoy looks great, blah, blah, blah. You know what, man? Good for them. Exactly. Like, like, I'll just lose. That's fine. Yeah, like, I just take, I mean, we've discussed it week in and week out. We hate the Patriots here at Cash Cows Poker. I don't think there's any member of Cash Cows Poker. Uh, We've got, let's see, one Dolphins fan. We know he hates the Patriots. We've got one Broncos fan. We know you hate the Patriots. Cowboys fan here definitely hates the Patriots. And what's Phil, a Chiefs fan? And you know the Chiefs fans ain't no fans of the Patriots. So, yeah, we got five people or four people that don't like New England already, but we'll be the first to say that defense is elite. That defense elite. is right now. I think it's the best in football. I it's don't mean from a fantasy like, standpoint. I mean from just an eye test. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
but it's not not best, even best close. The Bears, the Bears defense is still relevant, like completely relevant in the talks of top defenses in the league. But sure, right sure. now the Patriots uh, on top for sure. This looks like this looks like a pay. Imagine a Patriots team that doesn't come out the first month looking like shit. Yeah, that's that, and that's the thing that scares me, man. Now, that's the thing. there's a point to that that tweet that I was just reading a while ago where everything that was in that thing about who they've played is true. Yeah, like, I mean, but let's not act like... real test yet. I mean, we, we can't talk good on the Bills, and then when the Patriots beat them 16-10, to 10, then we'd be like, oh, it's just the Bills. You know what I mean? Like, that's a quality win. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah, but do, do they still beat the Bills if Josh Allen isn't knocked out with a concussion from that shot? You see what I'm saying? Like I'm saying that's a different game if you don't knock out their quarterback that now I'm not saying anything really like one way or another because he was struggling throughout that whole game against the league's best defense. But the fact is that's supposed to be a team that is not like, you know, on paper they shouldn't be in the game with anyone. They should be blowing each team out. So I mean I was I was actually in, extremely impressed by the Bills. And I hope that the Bills play like that going forward because against a regular ass team, that Bills defense last week, they're gonna win week in and week out. Yeah, I mean, and and I mean, from the Patriots side, I obviously they're, I mean, everyone on the Patriots, including their defense, is in play. Uh, I want no part of Washington analysis. No. Um, Chris Thompson theoretically could get checked down to a lot, but like it's going to be volume with. Very little to no actual production, if I had to pinpoint it. Um, that goes for all pass catchers. I don't care if Jordan Reed is back. I don't care if Vernon Davis is out there. Um, no. Like, avoid all Redskins as if they have the plague. Like, get away from them. Um, next game, Jones. Uh, Steelers-Ravens. This is going to be a good one. Uh, Steelers coming off their first win of the season uh, against the also now winless Bengals. Ravens coming off a loss that's going to drop them to two and two. They struggled a week ago. Browns beat them. Man, that's an interesting division right there. They had a real chance to separate themselves from everyone, and then they lose to the Browns last week, and now it seems like it's up for grabs again. Yeah. Um... Uh, this this division is going to be tight uh, coming down the stretch. Obviously, we'll see what the uh, Steelers do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the Browns and the Ravens, I think this one's going to come down to the very end. Uh, both teams playing really well. Uh, we'll we'll see from uh, Lamar Jackson. Obviously, uh, fantasy-wise, been playing great. Uh, real football-wise, the last couple of weeks, he's missed on some uh, – missed on a couple of key opportunities that we've seen him hit the first couple of games. So, We'll, we'll wait to see if that uh, regresses uh, one way or the other as far as it's going to regress back to what he was last year or, uh, you know, kind of regress towards what he was doing a little bit earlier in the season in a positive regression way. But been just fine in fantasy is going to continue to be that way. Um, floor is always super high due to the rushing ability, so nothing to worry about there. I, I just want to see from a real football standpoint, I, I kind of want to see him uh, get back to hitting the throws that he was hitting earlier in the year and, uh, you know, start impressing us again that way. But um, love love him in this spot. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm always interested in Marquise Brown just because of the upside. 
Uh, the volume is still there, clearly, as well. Uh, we've seen seven targets in his last game against Cleveland, and we've seen Lamar miss him on a uh, 60-yard deep bomb for a touchdown. So that clearly would have changed his day uh, from very bad to in the upper echelon of good. But uh, those are really my only two plays from here. I guess Mark Ingram is always viable. Uh, but I, I typically try to stay away from attacking Pittsburgh on the ground. Uh, they're they're pretty stout on the ground. Um, yeah, I wanted to touch on there. Even with his regression and what looks to be like a few missed deep balls that was getting picked up earlier in the year, uh, we still talk about it. He's Lamar Jackson's a twenty you know twenty point guy uh, day in and day out, probably even twenty two for like a floor. Like we don't. The worst version of Jackson we get is still pretty damn good. Um, I like Mark Ingram in this spot. I've been liking Mark Ingram all year long. I wanted to know if you thought the Hollywood Brown thing, could there be a little story? Could there be a little hidden sub-story there about, you know, maybe, you know, for those of you who don't know, Marquise Brown is Antonio Brown's cousin. And maybe Marquise uh, wants to beat, you know, Antonio's old team there. You think there's anything to that? I mean, you may have a little bit of a narrative there. I think just I think a, that's just kind a little of chip, you know, just a little chip on his shoulder or something, maybe, you know, because imagine like if Antonio Brown's family actually believes the nonsense he says, like they, Marquise Brown would ha- actually have to think the Steelers are pretty terrible dudes if he believes his cousin. So, and I mean, and and in fairness, his cousin may be right. So, as far as Pittsburgh being well, the real bad dude in Pittsburgh is on the IR. I believe. So there is that, but um, yeah, I like the Ravens. I like Mark Andrews here. Um, yes, I know T.J. Watt would be in the mix, uh, you know, on coverage and stuff. I always like Mark Andrews. Uh, I think that he's really when you talk about it, like Marquise Brown is the deep ball guy, and Andrews is the, you know, the short like you know, security blanket type for Lamar. So I, I kind of look at him with the same type of high. He's a, I think he's a high floor tight end, and I don't know that he really has like elite game numbers in him. Like I think we might have seen his ceiling of like twenty five or something like that, which is still awesome. But like he's not a guy that's gonna somehow you know give you like a Travis Kelsey Kelsey thirty five. I don't think, but uh, but he'll definitely still get the job done. On the opposite side of things, uh, James Connor. Went from doubtful to play to playing. Am I correct? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh, it does look like he'll be in there. Yeah, that was weird to me because I'm sitting here checking all my, all my deals, and I wanted to point out something else here. Like the Ra- the Ravens just got ran all over a week ago, and Jalen Samuels and James Conner were doing running all over Cincinnati a week ago. Is this a narrative that could continue? Like, it, what game script would we have to see for James Conner and and Jalen Samuels to be successful again? Because I don't think the Ravens are going to let that little wildcat wishbone type stuff that they were messing with and playing around with last week. I don't think the Ravens are going to be fooled by that as easily as Cincinnati was. You know, I I, I tend to agree with you on that. Uh, but we, like you said, uh, you know, when you were talking about it, that we did see him get trounced by Nick Chubb. And, uh, you know, traditionally, that's not something that the Ravens are doing, like even in the early in the season. Uh, you know, they, they weren't getting 
it just shoved down their throat like that. So they do have a uh, pretty big defensive injury on the defensive line, uh, pretty pretty good defensive lineman injured. So uh, maybe that's playing a huge role in it. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 kind of curious on that for uh, DraftKings purposes for that reason. Uh, I, I do have to say that James Conner, I believe, should be in play this week. Uh, 6,200. Uh, uh, we did see a kind of a return to form game for him last week. We seen him get into the end zone a couple times with help, surely. But, uh, you know, overall, doesn't seem like a bad spot. If the volume is going to be there and he's not limited, uh, could be a really, really good play yeah. at only 10% owned. And I don't even think it'll be that high because he's in the four net mixing range. I think guys will either go up to pay for four net or take the savings and go to mixing or maybe even a guy like Aaron Jones. Um, I, I definitely think you can get James Conner in a, uh, you know, a low ownership, high upside spot here. So if you want to get there, then I have no problem with it. Um. Let's highlight more Jalen Samuels. This is a guy who was very involved in the offense this past week. Was that something that we're going to see on a regular basis now with Mason Rudolph at quarterback the rest of the year? A lot of wildcat, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, What do we think he can do out of that wildcat? Can he throw the football? Uh, We haven't yet to see that, but I I bet you that there's a play in there. You know, I I bet you if this is something they're going to do on a regular basis, maybe they're just going to test it out for two or three plays against each team each week. And if the team reacts how they don't want them to react, they won't do it anymore. But if the team reacts like how, you know, at one point last week, Cincinnati was like watching them call an audible and like move players, you know, way out to the flats, like move a running back out to the flat and no one even goes with the guy. I mean, that's how bad Cincinnati was. And while the Ravens let Nick Chubb run on them a little bit, well, I say a little bit, plenty. It's still a much better team than Cincinnati. And with that Steelers line struggling overall this year, not last week, obviously, but overall in the grand scheme, I'd say temper your expectations still. Like, there's nobody more pissed off that the Browns beat the Ravens last week than the Ravens. Let's believe that, okay? So I think they're going to be ready to go. Uh, I hope James Conner can do his thing because he's in a couple of my leagues that I'm not doing well in. Uh, having said that, I'm tempered expectations. Jalen Samuels seems to be taking his touches. And unless they can both be elite qu- running back ones for the same team, I'm not feeling great about that. So, Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not there with Jalen Samuels. Uh, last week, that was just uh, very gimmicky and, and maybe just a uh, – opponent type of thing uh i i don't know if that's just sustainable uh a lot of teams already have the blueprint on how to stop that stuff uh you know they just kind of came in caught a bad team by su- surprise and uh yeah bad team didn't make any adjustments well, so. i just mean the utilization of him not necessarily it being in the wildcat or having to be a specific trick you know well, let's call it a trick formation because we know what's we know something goofy coming there when we see him lined up and Connor in motion, you know, you know what you're looking for at that point because it's probably not a pass. So I agree with you that it was probably just because they're like, yo, this is the Cincinnati Bengals and we can probably catch them off guard and it's on, you know, nationally televised so everybody will see us fuck with them. Like that type of thing. I, that seems like a Tomlin thing to do, you know. So like I, I like the Wildcat. I'm a big fan of it. But I'm kind of with you there. I think he'll get his touches. I just don't think they'll be coming from wildcat formations on a regular basis like it was last game. 
Um, the last person we want to touch on, Juju Smith-Schuster. Or actually more like Deontay Johnson, who, again, for the second week in a row, was doing major damage while Smith-Schuster basically watched uh, two receptions for, like, what, 15, 20 yards, something like that, 25 yards. I don't, it wasn't good. Um... At what point do you finally put Smith-Schuster on the bench in your league if you haven't been able to trade him and get something positive for him? I mean, if uh, you know, if you're a middling team that uh, needs Ws, uh, now is not to be time to be playing around, you know. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at with Juju. Uh, I understand you spent a high pick on him, but uh, I mean, at this point, you you've surely been preparing. Uh, for the possibility of you having to put him on the bench if you get in trade. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be viable. I, I believe if Ben Roethlisberger would have stayed healthy, they could have made it, uh, they could have figured it out and uh, made it work, and Juju's production would have seen an uptick, you know. But uh, with a guy that refuses to throw the ball down the field, um, uh, with a guy that no defense is scared of, um, it's pretty easy to game plan around Juju right now, and uh, I think we're, you know, I think we're kind of seeing that. So, uh, to answer your question, I think now is uh, the time to to seriously be considering uh, benching Juju if you have other comparable options. I mean, I don't, I don't see how you can uh, have any faith in the guy. Like, we're not saying benching for, for example, McCole Hardman or some third wide receiver exactly. on a right. on a high, right. but like, let's say you've been playing Juju Smith Schuster. And, and you have a DJ Moore or something equivalent that tier. Yeah, like all I'm saying is that at this point, oh, it kills me to say this. You have to treat Juju Smith-Schuster as matchup based, even though he was your first or second round pick. I understand. I get. I get you. I'm right there with you at least three or four times out of my 22. Um, it's tough. I'm. I understand because you feel like you're benching what you based your whole team around. And that's that's what gets us season long fantasy owners with these situations is because it's like admitting you made a bad purchase. Like if yep. you if you scroll to my team and we're getting ready to play this week, and I'm projected to beat you and I my record's good or I'm not projected to beat you, my record's not good. But you look and you see, huh, Golden Tate. Oh, he's got Smith Schuster on the bench, and it's like, well, yeah, I don't even know what Golden Tate can fucking do yet, but I know he'll probably get more than four fucking points from Daniel Jones. I mean, shit, man, this dude is getting four points. I mean, Mercole Hardman on the season, I believe, may have more points overall than Juju anyway. I, obviously, that he has a more deadlier game, a game or two as well. But I mean, it's really frustrating to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I I can imagine, you know, uh, Devontae Freeman is kind of like your victory lap, and, uh, you know, this one was mine. Um, yeah, and like I said, I didn't go heavy on Juju to where it hurts me, and I didn't really go heavy on any player this year that's hurt me so far. I did fade, you know, three or four guys that aren't performing well, but I faded like two or three that are performing well. That's part of it. Um, yeah, you you faded you faded the uh, high scoring fantasy player or like top five. Yeah, I faded Dalvin Cook, and like I said, I'm still in my mind. I'm a playoff team every time I'm drafting a team. So my thought is, who's going to be here for the playoffs? And I just do not trust that young man. 
So I'm going to keep standing by what I say. Obviously, like we can see me eat my own words weekly. Each time he goes out and runs for 100 and doesn't tear his ACL. Um, but it's seriously a guy I believe that all of his injuries are not just bad luck, but it's a guy who is injury prone. So overall, that's kind of how I'm still treating that situation. Um, let's get on to the Raiders and Bears. It's the last game of the morning slate. Uh, I see this as being a Bears beatdown, but like a defensive low-scoring game, I don't expect the Raiders to be able to move the ball. I think you could take a dart throw at Tyrell Williams because the number one wide receivers this year, well, the wide receivers in general have not been, you know, horrible against the Bears. Like, they've been not great. Like, Devontae Adams would seem to get shut down pretty well. But overall, the Bears, like, secondary against wide receivers, according to my rankings, have been middle of the road. It's mostly the fact that they're not allowing the ball to get out because they put so much pressure on the quarterback that, you know, they get the ball back that way as well. What do you think about this game? Raiders, any chance whatsoever of making this relevant? I mean, it may stay relevant uh, just from the standpoint where I'm with you and I see it being a low-scoring game. So, yeah, I mean, it could definitely stay relevant. Um, Do the Raiders threaten? I I highly doubt it. Um, I I don't really have faith in the offense against this defense. Um, You know, like you you were talking about it earlier when we were touching on the Patriots, but uh, this defense is just one of the best defenses in football. Uh, Oakland's offense not – one of the best offenses in football, to put it lightly. Um, I don't expect much from a fantasy side here. I, I can always see making a case for Darren Waller because uh, he's getting receiver production from the tight end spot. So always uh, he's in play. Uh, but other than that, uh, my favorite play from this game is probably going to be on the bear side with David Montgomery. Even though uh, the Raiders are a uh, pretty solid run defense, believe it or not. I just anticipate the Bears playing ahead most of this game with mm-hmm. a backup quarterback. And, uh, you know, David Montgomery's uptick in, uh, in volume is, is pretty encouraging. I don't see a reason for them to stop here uh, over in London, by the way. This is the London game. Oh, is it? But it's still it yeah. says it's still kicking off at noon. Yep, yep. It's still They, they, they oh. still put it on the I wanted it to be, like, early, because I like to get up and watch the early games. No. Okay. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, two teams traveling a lot lot of miles uh, normally come out pretty sluggish. Uh, I'll take the uh, Bears in a low-scoring affair. Uh, And I I do like Allen Robinson. I do want to punt it out. I do like Allen Robinson in uh, some one-off situations. We did see him get seven targets from Chase Daniel, even when he came into the ballgame. And uh, Allen Robinson's been a part of the offense all year. A pretty consistent part of the offense. So I I do like him in a one-off spot uh, as the number one pass-catching option against, uh, you know, Oakland's defense, which is, against the pass, not very good. Allen Robinson actually has a better matchup than David Montgomery. Uh, But I leave David Montgomery a little more. Excuse me. Um, Allergies. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Yeah, I'm actually with you there. Um, as far as Allen Robinson's been consistent, and that's what we fantasy footballers want is consistency. We we don't want you to drop 45 week one and us feel like we're on top of the world, and then you McCaffrey us in week two with seven points after the 45. Like, that killed me. 
not because it actually killed me, just because it's like, man, I'd rather you just get 25 a game, baby. If you're going to get that 52 for every two games, just go ahead and average that 26. In fact, take take a point or two back and just make it 24 points a game. I'm good, McCaffrey. Like, um, I'm with you on the Bears here. Montgomery, uh, the Bears are better at stopping the run than the pass, but they're not good at either. They're really bad at stopping the pass, and they're just adequate at stopping the run. Volume will get David Montgomery there. Bears defense will dominate. Look for Carr to be on his back sacked at least four times. Um, probably one of those will be uh, Carr's going to need to fumble this game too. If you remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about the Bears before they played on Monday night. You said you weren't going to call a defensive touchdown, and I was like, I will their D for it. And then they started the game off with such, and they got me so nervous because they almost scored enough defensive points to, to lose me a few a few of the games I was against them. Uh, Bears defense is incredible. What I wanted to point out now that we talked about the Patriots earlier, the Patriots are being a historically great defense because they don't allow you to score points. Stephon Gilmore is a shutdown corner. Patriots are strong all through their defense. They physically just stop you and have you punt the ball. But a lot of Patriots' fantasy points on defense are scored from the touchdowns they've had and interceptions. They tend to not get a whole lot of quarterback sacks. And I shouldn't say a whole lot. They do adequate, but that's what the Bears do best. Khalil Mack gets after it. Uh, Roquan Smith uh, can get after it, but excellent in the pass coverage game. Like, just an absolute monster second-year player there. The Bears' defense to me is the better attacking defense than the Patriots. Whereas the Patriots are like, you know, we're just really solid all over the place and we're not going to allow you to move the ball. And the Bears are like, look, our quarterback and our offense isn't that great, so we have to physically take it and maybe even generate a touchdown or something. We don't have Tom Brady. And to me, that's the difference where you can pick whichever defense you like, but you and I always talk about how defense starts up at the front. And the Patriots are just built differently. I feel like they're built to stop the run and be you know efficient against run stopping. Uh, you know they're built to stop the pass. They're built to stop things. Whereas to me the Bears are built to cause disruption and to make things happen. You know, a lot of the Patriots' defensive touchdowns as well are against garbage teams in garbage time. And I think that we'll see by the end of the year that it'll even out and the Bears will be right up there as a top tier defense, not because of their ability to stop you from scoring points, but their ability to cause and create turnovers and, and score points for their team in that aspect. And I think we'll see that by the end of the year, they'll be the two best defenses in football and no one will be near either of them. And that's my opinion on both of those for sure. Yeah. Um, I got nothing else from that game. Take your dart throws at Tyrell Williams. Like I said, uh, the Bears secondary isn't phenomenal at just shutting down opposing wide receivers. They're adequate. They're middle of the road. Uh, where they really get after it, like we said, is uh, is the is the pass rush. So, jumping into your team here, your team is defeated, man. You're zero four. You're going into San Diego. Tell me what your Broncos need to do after giving up two hundred and twenty five yards on the ground to Leonard Fournette last week. Like, what do you guys? You and you lose Bradley Chubb for the year. I mean, at this point, as a Broncos fan, are you just praying that you go out and lose every week? I mean, it's uncharted territory. I mean, my team hasn't, uh, you know, the last two seasons were the first two losing seasons uh, that the Broncos have had in their history. So, 
not not a very familiar place for Broncos fans uh, out there like myself. But I mean, this is a team in just uh, disarray right now. Uh, the offense can't do any right anything right, which puts too much pressure on the defense on a week in week out basis, drive in drive out basis. Uh, we finally seen the defense get back to form a little bit as far as getting to the quarterback, but like you touched on with Leonard Fournette, he just absolutely went ham and ran for 225 when they were a top 10 run defense. So, I mean, I'm really not sure what to make of the defense. Obviously you lose um, Bradley Chubb for the year and that's going to be a significant blow. So we'll see how uh, everything happens. I mean, until proven otherwise, it's a defense that we're going to be able to target. Uh, it's not very familiar saying that, but I mean, it looks yeah. like a defense that we're going to be able to go after. Uh, I, I still am going to shy away from the Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler situation. Uh, that one is just going to be too tricky. I, I just don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, yeah, we know that Melvin Gordon has been named the starter, but what's that really mean? I mean, starter could mean 50% of the workload. I'm not interested in that. So, um, yeah, I, as far as the backfield goes, I'm going to stay away and I'm going to have my shares of Keenan Allen. But um, other than that, I, I don't I don't have a lot from uh, not only the Chargers, but this game in general. I want a different take on this game. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you something way different here. First off, I'm going to tell you something. Both running backs, both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, will score at least 15 fantasy points apiece this week. Here's why. We've got Mike Williams, who I believe is questionable. What's the final word on Mike Williams? Is he going to suit up and play? I think he's going to play. All right. We're but still... he's questionable. Well, when you're that banged up and you're that questionable we, multiple weeks on end, like, Eckler's shown that he can be the playmaker there, a playmaker. They're going to utilize him. They're going to give him touches. Melvin Gordon's going to get broken in easy here, but Melvin Gordon's going to find himself probably with about 80 yards, four catches for about another 40 yards, and a touchdown. All day, every day. Like, they're going to get both of those guys the ball. Just think of it like Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, only like, both of them are completely interchangeable to do either or, and they're just going to utilize them as such. Like, I think you're going to see a lot of sets. Obviously, we're speculating here. Even with a healthy Mike Williams, I think we're going to see a lot of sets where Eckler is lined up somewhere when Melvin Gordon isn't running back. Does that You see what I'm saying? Like, maybe in motion. I could see Eckler being very Tyreek Cohen decoy dependent. You know what I'm saying? Where... They're using him in motion. They're running him around all over the place because they want you to be aware of him and staring at him while they try to hit you with that Keenan Allen and stuff like that. Um, as far as, yeah, I think they're both capable of 15, and the reason why is it's like you said, we're targeting the Broncos' defense, which is like the weirdest thing ever as a fantasy footballer who can see all the talent on the Broncos' defense to say, yeah, I need to get my running backs in against there because – it's a situation, it's not a lack of talent. Like, well, obviously your your offense gets gets your defense in bad shape a good chunk of the time. A lot of the times your backs are to the wall the minute you walk out on the field because Flacco's done something. But um, I don't see how they can get a win over the Chargers, whereas, you know, the Chargers always seem to find a way to try to lose it, but I just don't see how they could here. Uh, it also plays strong because I feel like unless the Chargers just come out completely flat, 
they should be, you know, able to throw, able to run, and then once they get that lead, they should be here, Eckler, here, Gordon, maybe even some Justin Jackson thrown in there because I feel like you're just going to be running the ball in the second half for the most part. You know, and then the check downs and just, you know, trying to pick up a first down and keep the clock running and just simple stuff like that. And I think that's the way this game will go. Is, and I, I think it could actually be high scoring, as funny as that sounds with these two offenses. Not the Chargers, of course, it's pretty potent. But this is a game where the Chargers have been giving up points and giving up yardage all year. They seem to play down to every opponent they're with. A good-looking football team that plays down to its opponents and can score a lot of points themselves leads me to, to believe big scoring game this week from uh, from both sides. I look for Emmanuel Sanders and Court- Cortland Sutton to be able to do their thing. I think Philip Lindsay will be adequate to what he's been giving you on a on a week in week out average. Like I look for everybody to be right in, right on par with what projections are for this game, which is I think like a thirteen or fourteen for Lindsay, and same and Melvin Gordon and Eckler in that same range at about the fifteen to sixteen mark. I think is actually their projections, depending on what sites you go off of. Anyway, so I actually love the matchup. I love everybody in this game. You know. You name them, I like them. I think it's going to be a lot of points put up in this one. I think the loss of Bradley Chubb as well is just going to be really deflating to the Broncos, and that's another reason why I think why I think the Chargers running backs are going to have such a good game because like, how many runs will go right towards Bradley Chubb's spot and be way more productive than Bradley Chubb and like everybody on the Broncos team is going to see that when it happens, and it's just going to be a reminder right there of, well, that's another part of our season that's missing. This is a team that's 0-4. They've probably completely, like, to a degree, like, given up, and they know where their season's at already at this point. So That's that's the breakdown for me. I love it when we don't completely agree on everything. That way, you know, there's something for people to take sides on and, you know, one of us to be right and the other one to be a fool. So, um, all right, check it out, man. We got three more games. I'm trying to bring the best energy I can bring here at midnight when I'm dead tired. We got my Cowboys at home against the Packers. And I tell you what, I think I like my Cowboys here. Uh, The reason being Zeke. We haven't really seen, again, the games from Zeke we want. He scored the only touchdown in a losing effort against the Saints last week. But the Packers, to me, aren't good at stopping big, bulky, you know, like elite running backs. And let's see if they can attack him and hit it where it hurts. Jones, what's your take? Yeah, um, I actually like the Packers in this one, believe it or not. Uh, your defense is just too banged up and hasn't been playing well enough for me to uh, be fully on board. I have no concern offense, even against uh, what's been a pretty stout defense in general. Um, I, I really like the offense as far as fantasy plays. I love Zeke in this spot. Uh, the Packers are dealing with a couple injuries up front. Uh, now, I do want to point out that no Tyron Smith uh, for the Cowboys, which is obviously a uh, quite the downgrade, but yeah. um, still a really, really good smash spot here for uh, Zeke. I, I, I'm not as high on Dak as uh, I have been uh, throughout the year. Uh, their pass defense is actually pretty solid. Uh, Mari Cooper is going to be in a, a pretty tough matchup overall, so uh, I'll be interested to see how he responds there after being uh, taken away from the game by uh, Marshawn Lattimore last week. So, right. uh, 
I, I do like uh, a lot of things from this game, but not necessarily. I don't like the game environment of this game for like a game stack, uh, but I do like a lot of different pieces like Zeke, uh, like a little bit of Amari, uh, like, you know, possibly a Jason Witten, and uh, a few plays from the uh, Green Bay side I really like. Uh, I do like uh, Aaron Rodgers in this spot. Like I said, just because the Cowboys defense is a little banged up, and uh, I also like uh, Allison, uh, Scanlon, and Jimmy Graham. I, I do think Jimmy Graham probably sees the biggest uh, target boost from uh, the Devontae Adams being out. And also um, in the red zone as well, which is the most important thing. You know, Devontae has been an Aaron Rodgers' favorite red zone target for a couple years now. And uh, we've seen Jimmy Graham early in the year have quite a few red zone targets, uh, not just last week, but uh, in the in the weeks before as well. So, you know, maybe he's kind of developing that rapport as far as uh, who he's going to trust in the red zone. And, and maybe that's Jimmy Graham. So that does have me on Jimmy Graham some this week as well. Uh, yeah, I can I can get with you there a little bit from a daily from a daily standpoint as well. Um, Devontae Adams out, toe injury. Uh, turf toe to be uh, more exact. We talked about briefly what turf toe was um, on a few of the last podcasts, and we just you know briefly mentioned what type of pain and what discomfort he's going through. Again, it's like a severe jamming of your toe, essentially, and it's having it stretched way too far for its own good. Um, yeah, look for that. You know, just because he was questionable all week and he's not going this week doesn't mean that he'll be fine next week either. That's a, uh, you know, it's a it's an injury that can legit, obviously we're not concerned for Devontae Adams' career, but it's it can hinder you so bad. And we've talked about it several times here at Cash Cows Poker. Your feet are very important for running routes. Because no matter how good your hands are, if you can't go out there and cut and make your move and beat your man, it, it doesn't matter because the ball will never get to your hands. And, and that's something that he's going to you know deal with this week. Obviously, he's out. And I just want to keep a monitor on that because that's something that if I'd like to see him sit out until it's completely that injury specifically is 100% okay. Because you don't want to come back and like retreat turf toe and stuff, because it can end up being a season nagging thing, you know. So that's my take on the whole turf, uh, turf toe thing with Devontae Adams. Like that's a, it doesn't sound like a painful injury, but it's incredibly painful. So, um, I, I I'm with you on the. I'm not huge on Valdez Scantling this week. I think that, like you said, both defenses have a couple guys banged up, but. I don't really know if I I said I liked my Cowboys earlier. You said you like Green Bay. I think with all the injuries, this is just a game I'm looking forward to seeing. I'd like to see my Cowboys bounce back. I ran into a Packers fan in Bossier City, and he's scared to death of a big back like Zeke, and he thinks that you get that we're just gonna eat his lunch all day running that football. So without Tyron Smith, that'll be it'll prove to be a little bit more difficult. As as good as Dallas's line is and known as for being one of the better lines in football, they're not a deep line though. They don't have, you know, multiple stars behind the stars as well ready to come up and come in. So it's probably gonna be a pretty significant downgrade at the tackle spot with Tyron Smith being out. So that's definitely to me the highlight of that game and what to watch for 
is how Tyron Smith's backup, and we've got a few guys that we plug and play in those situations, so we'll see who they go with. But how will he respond in protecting that edge? You know, and, and that's, to me, the big thing. Um, it's kind of Dak's fault that Tyron Smith is out, too. I don't know if you've seen that play, but Dak, like, panicked and, like, ran back and kind of got sacked back into Tyron Smith's leg. And what Dak should have done is either step up and just take the sack. Or, I mean, it was just kind of, obviously, it's not his fault, fault, but it's unfortunate now he's going to be, you know, not having his left side protected this week, so... And that's one of the best. And if you're a Cowboys fan, that's the best left tackle in football. And if you're not a Cowboys fan, he's still a top three. So, um, yeah, I don't really have much else there. Our defense, like you said, has been struggling. It's uh, that uh, that um, Saints game was hard to watch. Uh, going down and dealing in Bossier City, Louisiana, which is literally right on the border of Dallas. You know, like of Texas and of Louisiana, so you had all Cowboys fans and all Saints fans, and all the Saints fans all week. Every time they seen us, anytime they knew a Cowboys fan was around, just yell "Who dat?" at us, like repeatedly. Like my bosses were yelling "Who dat?" at me, and I, I thought I was gonna strike someone, my dude. <laughs> like, um, fucking who dat? Uh, two more games. Monday night is Forty ers Browns, and the Sunday night is Colts at Chiefs. Jones, take us through this Colts-Chiefs. Oh, I'm sorry. One more thing. Best quarterback matchup out of that Cowboys-Packers. Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers. Who has higher fantasy points through that game? Because I have several lineups in fantasy uh, where those are my two quarterback choices. So what do you think there? Who has the better day, Rodgers or uh, or Dak? Um, obviously, uh, Dak carries a... <clears throat> a higher ceiling, in my opinion, just from the rushing side. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, not as gung-ho to run as Dak, and Dak has toned down quite a bit as far as running being his first option, but uh, Dak will run it in for scores. Uh, We've seen that quite often. So, I mean, he carries the higher upside. Uh, I just like Aaron Rodgers just in the matchup. I mean, he's going to be facing, uh, you know, third and fourth string safeties out there, so I just think, uh, you know, the the injury bug bit Dallas at a uh, pretty bad time as far as their secondary goes coming in uh, against Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Um, Colts, Chiefs, this one looks like it has scoring written all over it. Uh, is that what you make out of this? I say everyone is in play here. What's the Marlon Mack situation? Is he a go or is he not a go? Yeah, that's one that we're just going to have to monitor. Uh, I I have nothing up to this point. So that's just one that we're really going to have to pay close attention to come kickoff. But, uh, I mean, if he's a go, then if the Colts keep this game close, it's going to be the same thing I told you with carry-on last week. Uh, You know, they kept it close, and carry-on had a smashing day, over 120 on the ground. I think we see a similar thing from Marlon Mack here. The Chiefs just can't stop anybody on the ground, man. They give up 6.2 yards per carry. Um, I'm going to keep stressing that fact until, uh, you know, someone acknowledges it. But I don't know why, it, you know, if, if the game script stays favorable, Marlon Mack should have a huge game. If he falls into the end zone, it just becomes uh, even bigger. Um, but uh, I, I also have some interest in uh, T.Y. Hilton, assuming he suits up. Yeah, let me get you some info on that. 
Several players have already been ruled out for the Colts. Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker, and Clayton Gathers, and Rock Yassin. All qu- uh, he's questionable. Um, but Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker out, and T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack are questionable still. That's the best I can do for him. Uh, and Paris Campbell is already out for that game. Uh, Tyreek Hill out. Sammy Watkins questionable. Damian Williams questionable. And Eric Fisher out. Alex Okafor questionable. And, and they'll be without one of their special teamers. So there you go. Oh. Questionable question. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, yeah, so basically, um, that's the gist of the injury report in that. Not, um, not a whole lot there to tell tonight. That'll be a follow that throughout your day tomorrow. It may make fantasy difficult for you because you'll have to make decisions on what you think they're trending to. You know, you may have to start somebody that's for sure going to play tomorrow afternoon early, you know, from the early slate and forego uh, somebody from this game that could be more productive but may not play. Right. So that's always the tough part of fantasy, too, and uh, gives us a perfect opportunity to advertise our new Twitch Sunday stream. Uh, it usually kicks off early in the morning between 7 and 8, just whenever we get up and get around to it. Uh, we talk like fantasy like we're talking now. It's live. We do, you know, we talk about the injury reports as they're coming in. I think tomorrow we'll also, we... uh, we'll also recap our draft lineup that we did with the salary cap format. Ah, yeah, we started and doing that last week, and we'll be going over those each week and, like, repicking another one, and you'll get to see those filmed live. Um, so, yeah, and you can also come in and comment with us and stuff. So if you're listening to this and you're already seeing it and it's Sunday morning, switch over to us on Twitch. You'll be getting this, and you can also get these uh these shows in podcast form. So, Cash Cows is branching out. We are getting our foot in a little bit of everything around here. Jones, take us home. Monday Night Football. And again, if you haven't touched on it there, uh, basically what we're saying is, if the questionable guys play, play them. If the questionable guys don't play, find Neam Hines and give a boost to your Colts secondary receivers. On the other side of the ball, uh, either way, LaShawn McCoy, if he plays and he, if he's good to go, is probably a standard play um, just because of the offense. We don't know what Damian Williams is going to do, but if he's this questionable, they're probably going to limit him either way. So everybody's in play there. <coughs> if they if they got a pulse, there should be points scored in that game, so get him in there. Jones, 49ers-Browns at 49ers. Undefeated 49ers. Brown's coming in. Take it away. Yeah, uh, I, I think this is the first time that we see uh, the 49ers lose this season. So, uh, Brown's coming in, building off a little bit of momentum. It uh, looks like they will have Jarvis Landry. And I, I do believe uh, I got word that he can get through the concussion protocol. So, he will be suiting up for them as well. Okay. Uh, so, it uh, looks like they'll be a full go as far as their arsenal is concerned, minus Njoku, of course. But I uh, really like them in this spot. Uh, San Francisco's been pretty soft uh, on the defensive side. They've made some improvements. Uh, the defense is better, don't get me wrong. But uh, 
still susceptible to the big play. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, where Richard Sherman lines up. If Richard Sherman is going to follow Odell, um, I'll have slight interest. Obviously, Odell always carries his high ceiling. Uh, but I think the floor can be lowered a little bit uh, if Richard Sherman's on it. Richard Sherman, a uh, little bit of a return to form to him. Pretty uh, impressed by him so far this season. But uh, just overall, I just think that the uh, weapons on the Browns offensive side is just going to be too much for them to deal with. I still don't have uh, too much faith in the offense. Obviously, the running back situation is a muddled mess. Right now, we really don't know what to make of it. But uh, really, the only guys that you can go to with any confidence on this offense, and in my humble opinion, is uh, George Kittle just from the amount of volume. But uh, I, I really see this offense being a week-to-week. They can look really great, and uh, they can also be one of the worst in the league as well. Yeah, I'm going to take it a slightly different direction as we finish up the show here. Uh, I believe that the 49ers can get the job done. In fact, I'll go as far as say I, I'm going to take the 49ers on this as far as just in a pick'em version. Um, Garoppolo's shown his ability to be a winning quarterback. The Browns have at at times this year struggled on the field and have struggled internally. Like we talked about last week, like look what the Browns just did. But Odell Beckham had nothing. Now, how many times is that going to happen before you see an Antonio Brown like or a you know just an absolute tantrum? You know, like, I mean, where he's going to have to apologize to the kicking net again because he's going to get angry because they're winning, but it's not all because of him. And, again, don't take me as an Odell hater. I have him in several leagues. I love the guy. I love his antics because I'm uh, kind of a, you know, I love the drama of the league. But, like, this 49ers team, all on the same page with the same goal. This Browns team is a little bit like, you know, kind of like it seems like their personnel struck. Like they're like, man, we got all these great players. We should be winning every game, but they don't actually execute that. Kind of like, um, kind of like what we've seen from the Eagles back when they had Vic and Deshaun McCoy and Deshaun Jackson and all these guys. Like, wow, they're super impressive. But sometimes they're like, they've got so much talent on the field that they allow themselves to get beat because you know. They figure if they don't make the play, the next guy will step up because they got so much talent that everyone can make the play. You know, maybe it, what's the word I'm looking for? Accountability? Is that what I'm looking for here on the Browns? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Like, that's the word I was looking for the whole time, too, is like accountability and, you know, handling yours. So the Browns are another team like we've talked about where we don't know what version of them is going to show up. They're very similar to Philadelphia in that regard where this offense can be potent and absolutely like snake bite on you. Or it can be, you know, humdrum, run the ball, run the ball, miss a play, punt. And we've seen both versions. I like the 49ers here. Um, mostly because they're the home team, they're undefeated. And a lot of pressure on Baker and them right now to, you know, dig themselves out of the hole they started themselves in. So. Uh, yeah. And again, we'll probably we'll dive more into that. Like if we do a show on Monday, right, we'll recap Tuesday. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk more about that Tuesday. That's the beauty of football, ladies and gentlemen. We uh we get together, we chat, we have ideas. A good chunk of the time, me and Jones spit out pretty good game knowledge here, and are pretty you know obviously no one's a genius that knows what happens every single play of every single game. I wish we did, but uh I think we're doing a pretty damn good job for the most part of giving you guys. 
legit info to uh to set your draft teams in your daily weekend lineup. So, Jones, if uh, you don't have anything else for him, I'm gonna give him a big shout out and give one more shout out to uh, Dexter and those young good boys in Denver. Yeah, uh, if you guys uh, find the content valuable in any way, I mean, uh, help us out, man. Uh, hit the like, hit the subscribe, get the notifications bell. Uh, we'll, we'll start putting out more content. Uh, we've been getting pretty good uh, reviews and things of that nature so far, man, so I'm glad you guys are liking it. Um, yeah, and it is now pushing 1 a.m. Sunday morning, so we got to get this up for you. So when you guys wake up in the morning, you'll have this, and you'll have our Twitch live stream at 7.30 to 8.00. So. We are going to call it a night, as always, from Cash Cows TV. Much love to you. Much love to those run good guys, Ross, Tana, uh, Preston, uh, Mike. All you guys are super chill, John. Um, Dexter, Carter, dude, happy life to you and your new wife, Danny. Um, may your all's life be as good as me and my wife's uh, real talk, and I'm sure Jones will say the same for him and Lisa. Absolutely. So. Guys, we appreciate it. Hit that like and subscribe. We out. Two hours and four minutes. Dunzo.